A university is now treating masculinity as a mental health issue. Lifeline, which has several suicidal men depending on it, is allowing for a feminist who tweeted kill all men and more anti-male tweets alike to speak at one of their events. We explore the agenda of college sex ed and we cover an article relating to Mental Health Month. All of this and more coming up on MGTOW News. It's Sunday, May 6, 2018. Let's jump right into the headlines. To start off the headlines, we're covering a story on how the University of Texas is treating masculinity as a mental health issue. Go ahead and take a look. University of Texas to treat masculinity as a mental health issue. The Counseling and Mental Health Center at the University of Texas at Austin recently launched a new program to help male students take control over their gender identity and develop a healthy sense of masculinity. Treating masculinity as if it were a mental health crisis, Masculine UT is organized by the school's counseling staff and mostly or most recently organized a poster series encouraging students to develop a quote unquote healthy model of masculinity. The program is predicted on a critique of so called restrictive masculinity. Men, the program argues, suffer when they are told to act like a man or when they are encouraged to fulfill traditional gender roles such as being successful or being the breadwinner. Though you might enjoy taking care of people or being active, Masculine UT warns that many of these attributes are actually dangerous, claiming that traditional roles of masculinity place men into rigid or restrictive boxes which prevent them from developing their emotional maturity. If you are a male student at UT, University of Texas, reading this right now, we hope that you are learning, or we hope that learning about this helps you uh, feel not guilty about having participated in these definitions of masculinity and instead feel empowered to break the cycle the program offers. The program is currently without leadership, but not for long. The school is in the process of hiring a healthy masculinities coordinator to run the program, and a school official tells PJ Media that some hopeful hirees are interviewing for this position later this week. While many schools now have similar programs, this appears to be the first run directly out of a uh, counseling and mental health center, though the school seems to justify this by claiming that masculinity can cause men to lash out at other people uh, and themselves. The school did not request or uh, respond to a request for comment to clarify. And uh, this is no surprise to me. There is no evidence that masculinity itself contributes to violence. In universities that run similar programs, such as UNC Chapel Hill and Northwestern, have admitted that their programming isn't supported by any evidence. Oh, man. Um, we're, we're seeing these type of stories becoming more of a more common thing these days. It's, you know, being treated... Masculinity, it's being treated... As if it's this mental health issue. And it's not. And it gives men this subconscious agenda. Uh, or a mindset. Um, or mentality. Or whatever you want to call it. That they shouldn't be who they are. There is nothing wrong with being a man now. In addition to that. The University of Texas did release a press statement. Uh, go ahead and take a look at it. And the University of Texas has released a statement on Masculine UT, 
Uh, this was released on April 29, 2018. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. The masculine UT program does not treat masculinity as a quote-unquote mental health issue, and any such statements are simply not accurate. It was established to bring more men to the table to address interpersonal violence, sexual assault, and other issues. Like other UT programs related to sexual assault and interpersonal violence, Masculine UT is housed administratively in the university's counseling and mental health center. It goals include, its goals include helping men to explore ways to reduce sexual violence, helping students take responsibility for their actions, and fostering healthier relationships on campus and beyond. These are important goals that we strongly stand behind. It has become clear that some of the communication and discussion surrounding masculine UT did not convey this fully or clearly and was not effective at reaching the broad audiences the program envisioned. As a result, we will be reviewing the website and any other content to ensure that it serves the program's goals and will make any appropriate changes as we receive feedback from stakeholders. And earlier this year, the University of Texas System Board of Regents approved funding for mental health, student safety, and alcohol-related initiatives, including efforts to reduce sexual assault on campus. The new staff position will oversee this program and coordinate with other UT system schools is part of those efforts funded by the regents. Up next for the headlines for this week's edition of MGTOWN News, we're covering this story of a man who was falsely accused of breaking into a house and raping a woman. And, of course, after he's been cleared, um, his reputation has been damaged. Basically, we cover what has happened to him in the story. Go ahead and take a look. All right, so we're going to be covering this article. It's from CBS, and it's titled, I Nearly Lost Everything. Saskatchewan man trying to pick up pieces after DNA clears him of sexual assault. Devin Beliski was charged in December and cleared in March. Alright, so this is the victim here. Devin Beliski of Priestville, Saskatchewan was charged with aggravated sexual assault in December and cleared by DNA test results in March. Devin Beliski isn't sure people in Priestville, Saskatchewan will ever look at him the same, even though his name has been cleared. On December 18th, RCMP charged the 25-year-old with aggravated sexual assault. A woman had identified Beliski as the masked intruder who attacked her at gunpoint in her own home earlier that same night. The victim said she was 98% sure of who it was. Prosecutor Daryl Bode said at Beliski's bail hearing in Yorkton, according to court transcripts. She knew the voice, she knew the build of the body, and she knew the intimate details of his private area. Investigators collected DNA samples from Beliski from the victim and her home in the small east-central Saskatchewan town. The Crown submits the DNA will tie him 100% to being at that location, Bode said at the time. So the DNA, it actually ruled out Beliski. The DNA test results on all the samples came back to investigators on March 28th, the results were negative. The samples collected from the victim's home did not come from Devin Beliski. Within hours, all seven charges were stayed and Beliski was allowed to return to Priestville. Part of his bail release conditions had been that he was not allowed in the town of a month of 1,000 
125, about 300 kilometers east of Saskatoon. And Devin Bliski said, I nearly lost the business, all the payments, the house. I nearly lost everything because of this. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. People look at me now. People will always look at me different now, Bliski said in an interview. That'll never change. Bliski faced 8 to 10 years, so about a decade to a decade in prison. The facts of the sexual assaults are sexual assault. It's quite disturbing. Someone broke into the victim's home on December 18th at 3.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, armed with a gun and wearing a mask and latex gloves. The noise of dogs barking woke the woman and a small child in the home. The child, thankfully, was unharmed in the assault. The attacker sexually assaulted the young woman multiple times, at one point taping her eyes closed with duct tape. And according to facts presented at the bail hearing, the woman called the uh, RCMP immediately after the assault and identified Bliski by name. They arrived at his home at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time and within hours arrested and charged him. Bliski was taken from Priestville to Yorktown, about 100 kilometers south. After five days in a holding cell, he had a bail hearing and was denied release. From there, Bolesky was moved to the Correctional Center in Regina. A second lawyer applied for a bail review, and on January 29th, that was held in Court of Queen's Bench. This time, he was released. Defense lawyer Ron Pache represented Bolesky at that hearing, and by his own account, he knew that Bolesky faced an uphill fight. And this is uh, Polisky's lawyer, Ron Pichet. And he said that we also had a complaint who indicates that on a percentage, she was 98% certain that he was the individual. There was enough, I think, in those circumstances that any judge or jury would have probably been convinced that 98% is good enough for me type of thing. That's the scary thing about it. And when you look at the trial, a case of aggravated sexual assault with a weapon, his jeopardy was in the area of 8 to 10 years in prison. RCMP spokesman Natalie Gray said, We are still actively investigating the break, enter, and sexual assault. Gray would not comment on whether RCMP have any new suspects. Okay, so here's the thing. The ordeal costed Bliski almost $100,000. All right. Let's examine this. More than a month after his release, Bolisky said he's still trying to pick up the pieces. He estimates that he lost close to $100,000 since December to lawyers, lost wages, and repairs to broken equipment. He works in the logging industry and says that an engine blew on one of his machines while an inexperienced operator was filling in for him. Once I got arrested, I near lost everything, he said. I near lost the business. All my payments, the house. I nearly lost everything because of this. All right, so the reason that this article, that this story was covered in this week's edition of MGTOW News is because I want you guys to see the reality of how often um, cases and stories like these happen and how these can have devastating effects on the lives of men. And... You know, we're, you know, sometimes we just pretend like, oh, what happened to me? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It still can. Um, it, it really, it still can. Um, so I'm just doing this to spread awareness. Like, hey, this has happened before. It's had devastating effects. And, uh, 
this can happen to you. I'm, that's the only reason why I'm sharing these stories with you guys. Up next to the headlines, we actually have this pretty interesting website that I suggest you check out. It will be linked in the description below. Go ahead, check it out. All right, so check this out. This is called registerher.net. Uh, let's go ahead and just read through this uh, briefly. All right, registerher. The false accusation of a sexual crime is itself a crime, devastating to the lives of victims. Even when they're able to prove their innocence, the damage from the lie lingers, permanently tarnishing reputations, destroying careers, tearing families apart, triggering both suicide and murder. RegisterHer.net is dedicated to raising awareness of the problem and putting uh, and to putting perpetrators in the public eye, compensating for failures in the criminal justice system by identifying false accusers. Anyone proven to have made uh, a false allegation of a sexual crime belongs here. It's a tragedy. Nobody knows exactly how often false accusations of sexual crimes happen. The research is varied. Some data suggests between 2 to 10%. Some estimates are much higher. Regardless of what percentage is correct or the reasons it happens, we know that like rape, one false accusation against an innocent person is too many. The impact is devastating, and unfortunately, our system of criminal justice, our politicians, and our media don't take the problem seriously, so little is done about it. One woman actually made 15 false claims of rape before legal action was taken against her. It is in the public interest to create and permanently maintain a registry identifying these threats to society. You can help. Whenever you encounter legitimate news and stories about criminal convictions for false allegations or public recanting of sexual assault claims with an admission of guilt, please use our convenient form, which I will link in the description box below, uh, and send us those stories. And if the information proves valid, we will uh, we will register her, making a permanent public record of her wrongful action. So it's not a victimless crime. So, Brian Banks, an aspiring football player, was sent to prison on a false rape allegation. Ross Bullock took his own life after a false allegation of rape was made against him. He was 38 years old. And Karen Cheshire and Jay Cheshire, mother and son, uh, both uh, committed suicide because the husband was falsely accused of rape. And you guys can go ahead and take a full uh, look of the website yourselves. It will be linked in the description box below. So you guys can scroll through. I just thought that this was a really... Um, unique resource that guys have needed for a long time uh, so please do your part to contribute to this I will certainly do my part uh, to contribute to this and I uh, just want you guys to be aware of this up next in the headlines we're covering the story of how Lifeline a suicide support hotline is allowing a man-hating feminist to be one of the keynote speakers at their events. Take a look. It's hard enough for men to call a helpline without facing this. Campaign to remove Clementine Ford as the speaker of a Lifeline event for tweeting, all men must die. And that's her, that's one of Clementine Ford's tweets, uh, kill all men. She has a couple of other anti-male tweets. Uh, we're going to explore those later on throughout the article. Uh, feminist Clementine Ford is addressing a Lifeline event on domestic violence. A petition has circulated arguing her anti-male tweets made her unsuitable. 
Change.org petition author Adam Smith said her hateful comments are considered. So, suicide prevention group Lifeline is being lobbied to remove controversial feminist Clementine Ford as the keynote speaker of Domestic Violence Forum. A Change.org petition argued her previous tweets saying, Kill all men and all men must die made her unsuitable to address the recognized respond refer event in Melbourne next month. It is extremely important that they remain distant from the hateful comments previously made very loudly and consistently by Ms. Ford, the petition which has amassed the 199 signatures said. And this is a screenshot of the petition. I have proudly signed it and I am confident it's already been completed at this point. Uh, so she must be removed from the speaking lineup for the protection of the very people that you are funded to support. Petition author or petition author Adam Smith included screenshots of Miss Ford's inflammatory tweets arguing that she was synonymous with the hashtag uh, kill all men. Lifeline is a service that is crucial to people experiencing high levels of emotional distress, many of them suicidal over bullying experiences, he said. In October of 2015, Clementine Ford tweeted, Kill all men after a woman suggested on Twitter her blind hatred of males made it hypocritical of her to be an advocate of equal rights. One woman questioned how Lifeline could give her a platform considering many men with mental health problems relied on the service. It's hard enough for men to call a helpline to talk about how they are feeling, she said on the Facebook page of former labor leader Mark Latham. Now I feel men may not utilize this important Lifeline for them. However, Lifeline said it did not necessarily agree with Clementine Ford's views on men. It is a common place for a range of views and perspectives to occur in a discussion panel, it told the Daily Mail Australia. Lifeline does not necessarily agree with any particular panel member or commentator's views. Clementine Ford said she had addressed the intention behind these statements numerous times. If we lived in a world where women were murdering men in mass and men genuinely had a reason to fear they might be murdered in their beds by a gang of marauding feminists, I would agree with your concern, she told the Daily Mail Australia on Monday. As it is, is we live in a world where it's women who are being murdered by men at a minimum rate at one a week in this country, not to mention the callous circumstances of sexual violence, physical harassment, and ongoing domestic violence perpetrated against women. The author of Fight Like a Girl has also previously tweeted, I bathe in male tears, and last year wrote, Have you killed any men today? And if not, why not? In a book signed for a fan. This is a screenshot of her tweet, Kill All Men. Or is that a picture? Whatever. Anyways, Miss Ford, a Fairfax media columnist, is due to speak at the State Library Victoria on May 29th at the Recognized Response Refer Forum, moderated by former 10 and Sky News presenter Tracy Spicer, who is spearheading the Me Too movement against male workplace sexual predators in Australia. Clementine's number one mission is to speak openly and honestly about the state of the world as we live in it, the uh, event organizers said. 
She hopes to give other women the language and confidence to articulate their own feelings of frustration and anger. The event, organized by DV Alert and Lifeline, will explore family violence. Recognize the signs of domestic and family violence, respond with appropriate care, and refer to support services, the conference posted on the Eventbrite website uh, said. Let's go ahead and quickly take a look at the comments. All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at the comments that we have on this article. I'm lost, said, lost my support for Lifeline, clearly anti-men and boys. Paris Libby says, a very strange appointment for this toxic, attention-seeking nobody. Soft-souled Demon said, I've supported Lifeline for over 40 years. No more of that's how you think. I have sons, grandsons, brothers, son-in-laws, and a lot of great male friends. How could you let a spokesperson spout such incendiary, hate-filled words uh, and put her forward as your representative? I truly feel sick at the hate and cruelty, the hurt to the lost and innocent men and teenagers who are now probably terrified to call your helpline. Very ill considered, okay, so Ron B60 says very ill considered her position. Little Dottie says that uh, he is sick of nasty feminists. Butthead said signed. Like I said, I proudly signed that thing. Proudly signed that thing. Kookaburra AU says clearly Lifeline has no interest in the mental health of men. John says keep up the good work. Oh wait, that's a mm-hmm. No, that's that's a uh, this guy supports her, but he has like a huge number of downvotes. So <laughs> all right, so so let's continue reading on. Uh, Zabadu says another misguided Me Too feminist type. If I was a male. And I would run as fast as I could from these crazy radical feminists. I would love on my own and I would love to be on my own and have a peaceful, happy life. Statistics are now showing men don't want to marry. Uh, hey, guess what? We don't. And I don't blame them. Women are scary today. I'm female. I meet these idiot females at work and they wonder why they can't find a man. I know they're horrible bully females. Yep. Uh, Karma Catches says the way men are in this room kills whatever you know, I said it before he died. Yep, that's another um, person who supports her. So, yeah. So, uh, as you can see, majority of people, they're like, nope, Lifeline, we're fed up with you. And I can definitely agree with them on this. And uh, in just a few moments, I'll go ahead and give you guys my personal thoughts on this. Uh, and, and how I can, I'll just give you my personal thoughts on this and ran on for this for just a little bit more. Then we're going to move on, right? Oh man, where do I even begin with this one? Um, a lifeline promoting and allowing for a man-hating feminist to speak one of, the, uh, one of their events. Okay, here's the thing. I, of course, no longer support Lifeline, and if I am ever at some point... Uh, I I don't want to be I hope not to be if I but if I am ever suicidal at one point at some point in my life, I will not use Lifeline. <laughs> okay, uh, I will not. And uh, also something hypocritical that I've noticed was how they said. Remember how they said um, we have a variety of speakers or something like that, and we don't necessarily agree with them. So you don't necessarily agree with them. Yet they're the keynote speaker at your event. 
Right. How about you do a little bit of fact check and try to see, it, you know, I mean, what what you're saying is contradicting is what I'm trying to say. Like, come on. Um, anyways, let's finish off the headlines this week. Uh, Make Time News is covering a story. Uh, it's an article about what college sex ed covers. Go ahead and take a look. Why campus sex ed training is anti-men and why I am a men's rights activist. While a student at American University, I was required to take an online sex education course that focused on consent. I was taught that women can change their mind about consent the day after an encounter, effectively leaving women with the ability to rewrite history and accuse sexual uh, partners of inappropriate behavior despite receiving consent. Feminists think misandry isn't real, but campus culture shows otherwise. Modern-day feminism is pervading on college campuses and is perpetrating an irrational fear of hookup culture, all while vilifying men. What I was taught by my college's online sex ed course provides a foreshadowing of a sad reality. Misandry in the 21st century. This misandry will surely trickle onto other aspects of life like workplace culture and our daily interactions with each other. I never thought I would be sex-shamed for not having it, but then I was required by my university to take the campus, uh, campus Clarity Think About It program, and it asked questions that probe into students' sexual past and poses a myriad of hypothetical situations where uh, apparently there is only one right way to handle it. The program opened my eyes to a whole new world, a world of resigning your previously given consent and how to take legal action against men. Taxpayer-funded public universities now use campus clarity as the gold standard for sexual assault prevention and as an influence for positive decision-making on campus. The program's anti-men undertones only further confirm the fears of men around the nation when it comes to false sexual assault charges. An inherent bias towards men in the arena of sexual assault is now being taught on campus, and eventually the workplace will follow suit. The problem is much bigger than the invasiveness of the questioning or the peering into the sex lives of students that campus clarity facilitates. The problem is that from a young age, it is ingrained into girls' minds that men have the natural ability to coerce them and that they should always feel victimized. I was taught this through Campus Clarity's hypotheticals, which showed that even in the case where both the man and women were too drunk to consent, it was the man that was the aggressor and the woman that was the victim. This type of teaching, let alone belief, sets the precedent for men to be wrongly accused in the academic system, the workplace, and ultimately in a justice system, which is, you know, already happening. Uh, the notion that a man is inherently in the wrong by virtue of the fact that he is a man is a huge problem with the modern day, uh, with modern day feminism and today's culture. So, culture, it is a social script that we learn from over time. Informally educates us about values, beliefs, and behaviors that are broadly seen as normal or as common sense. The culture on campus will directly affect future generations of women and men in all aspects. Teaching women from a young age that it is normal or common sense to resign consent 
will rock the way in which we interact with each other in all mediums. Programs like Campus Clarity have made me into a men's rights activist, but I'm not really advocating for men's rights. I'm simply advocating for fair treatment. Well, I can certainly say that this shows how we're commonly portrayed as the assailants were commonly uh, portrayed as uh, the person who is likely to assault and this and that. And yeah, statistically that may be true, but these negative stereotypes are really bad. So don't, don't be surprised if we're always thought to be the rapist, if we're thought to be the molester and this and that. But anyways, the girl can change consent, right? So I think, like, like what does that mean? So consent is valid one day, then the next day it isn't. What? That that makes no sense whatsoever. But you know, it's it's modern day logic, am I right? Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, the virgin life doesn't seem so bad. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it really doesn't now. I mean, this story legitimately makes me want to stay a virgin for life. I'm I'm serious. It makes me want to stay a virgin for life. I'm not lying. It's it seriously. Does. We're starting off the men's rights section of MGTOWER News uh, with a story from my home country uh, of Bangladesh. That's actually where I was born. I don't live there. I live in the U.S., uh, but I was born in Bangladesh. I was born in Dhaka, Bangladesh. Now, anyways, uh, in this story, basically, the Prime Minister, Sheikh Hasina, she is talking about how um, the, because of women's rights and all that gaining, gaining traction in the country, there may be some men's rights movements that pop up. And uh, just go ahead and take a look at the story, and I'll get back to you guys after you read it or hear it. All right, so we're covering this article for the DACA Tribune. I'm for men's rights too. Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina says Bangladesh has made enormous strides in women's rights. Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina cracked up journalists during a conference yesterday saying the country might soon see men's rights movements pop up considering the progress made in women's rights. Hasina, who won the Global Women's Leadership Award for Outstanding Leadership in Advancing Women Education and Women Entrepreneurs in Bangladesh, Asia, and the Asia-Pacific region on Friday, was speaking to journalists at her official residence in Ghana, Bahavan. I believe that's how you say it. Uh, by the way, just because I'm from Bangladesh doesn't mean I'm going to pronounce everything perfectly. So uh, I do apologize in advance for screwing up words. Continuing on, she added that in case of such movements by men, she was willing to stand by the side as well. Journalists broke into laughter at her remark. Farida Yasmin, the first female general secretary of the National Press Club, asked the prime minister whether the government would take initiatives to change the many hurdles Women face in every step in the negative mindset of men. Prime Minister Hasina pointed out that as a policymaker, she had faced much resistance with her steps to empower women. She mentioned issues with introducing reserve seats in the Union Parishads, the female football team. She talked about her own struggles as a woman in politics. Women will have to tackle all of these hurdles with confidence and determination, she said. Bangladeshi society was much more conservative, Hasina said. The negative mindset you are talking about, you have to put that in perspective. When I introduced women's seats in the Union Parishad, there was so much controversy about whether they should participate, she said. Jamaat and other parties resisted a lot. 
The female candidates' families were also against it. But I knew that those who were in, in opposition today would be out campaigning tomorrow. When the election came, the in-laws who were against the women in UP, they lit torches and went from door to door asking for votes for her. Change does not happen in a day. Hasina told Frida Yasmin it was no small feat for a woman to become a leader of the press club. Laws and enforcement alone will not help us with women's empowerment. We need perseverance and hard work, she said. If we keep demanding for rights and then want everything separate for women, how are we going to show strength? We need to have self-esteem and confidence. As a woman, I will say, it will not help us to just shout for women's empowerment. We have to earn it. Although soon we might see men's rights movements pop up, that's no problem. I'm for men's rights too, she said. Okay, so here's the thing. I want to clarify something first. When women's rights gain traction, uh, the reason you might start to see some men's rights movements pop up is because, well, sometimes the guys will tend to get pushed off to the side. They'll get treated unfairly. And then, of course, you're going to have these men's rights groups that are going to pop up and try to demand and fight for equality. Uh, so it's not because we just dislike women getting rights. It's because we dislike, get treat we dislike getting treated unfairly. Just like women dislike getting treated unfairly. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, then the journalists, they're the people who control the information. They control what the media or uh, they control what the population reads. The journalists were laughing. So that is just a sign that the information being put out will be in favor of those against men's rights movements. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next story. It's actually pretty cool. Go ahead and check it out. Men's rights non-government organization to contest Karnataka elections. The Safe Indian Family Foundation men's rights group has put up a candidate in the ensuing Karnataka Assembly elections to highlight the plight of men in Indian society, an activist said here on Saturday. As politicians of all major parties ignore many of the issues faced by ordinary men and some uh, even indulge in male bashing and sexism against men, the SIF, the SIFF, is also urging men activists to contest in elections as independents to ensure that both men and women are treated equally by the government and the legal systems. SIF co-founder Rajesh Vakharia said it has fielded a software engineer, Satish Babu, from the prestigious BTM Layout Assembly constituency of South Bangalore against Home Minister Ramalinga Reddy. Over 100 men's activists were campaigning actively for Babu, distributing pamphlets with their manifesto, and also unleashed an online campaign in his support. A man facing domestic violence or stalking cannot complain, as no police station will take his complaint and protect him. Recently, a woman and a man pushed a 56-year-old man before a Mumbai suburban train just because she thought he molested her, said another activist, Vijay Sahu, a software professional. Besides, Vicaria said the SIF uh, will field five candidates in the next year's Delhi Assembly elections and in the 2019 Lok Sabha elections, uh, put up a candidate against Union Minister Maneka Gandhi, who had accused of making regular statements against men and boys. 
Another Sif co-founder, Anhel Anhel Kumar, said that over half a million separation divorces every year in Indian family courts. There are uh, over half a million separation divorces in Indian family courts. And when men try to seek access to their own children, there are delays. Many young men were asked to pay up five to seven years of their income as one-time alimony during mediations by the family courts or police stations during marital disputes. Over 20,000 married men commit suicide annually due to family reasons in India and for domestic violence or stalking, there are no laws that protect men, Kumar said. Vicarious said the SIF has been demanding equal treatment for men and uh, women and not to harm men or boys in the name of empowering women. The SIF claims his campaign has gathered good attention for Babu uh, from the people of the constituency for his stress on judicial reforms and accountability, police reforms, equality for men and women and girls and boys and children and this and that, and punishment for people indulging in false litigation besides other social and public causes. Alright, so whether or not those uh, men's rights activists win, that doesn't matter. It's still extremely significant that we do have people running for office who are in favor of men's rights. And if they win, of course, it's even better. But still, that's that alone is just significant. I thought that'd be really cool to share that with you guys. So that's going to be it for um, this week's uh, men's rights uh, section for MGTOW News. It was, uh, it was a bit short. I couldn't find that much information for men's rights this week. And I could only find one article worth covering for the uh, men's health section of MGTOW News. Uh, go ahead and check it out. It's about, it's about Mental Health Month. So uh, go ahead and share your thoughts on this in the comments below. Let's go ahead and start covering it. Not talking about mental health is literally killing men. Our mission at menshealth.com has always been to help men build themselves into better men, into stronger men, and into healthier men. Rooted in science and expert opinion, our content translates dense topics into easily digestible, actionable health advice. Piecemeal, the concepts are sound and effective. But overall health must be viewed holistically. One of the most integral components uh, is your mind. Your mental health is inseparable from your physical health. Not a revolutionary concept, but what is astounding is the stigmatization that still surrounds men who dare to talk about their mental struggles. And as we move into Mental Health Awareness Month this May, we hope to change that. Men who are vocal about any kind of mental issues can be dismissed as weak as inferior and as flawed, broken guys who are more likely to be ostracized for their honesty instead of rewarded for their bravery. Instead of forming a fellow man compassion, we mock, belittle, and turn a blind eye. We freely spit spit the phrase, man up, as though your gender alone should suffice to guide you through your darkest times. Or worse, we nonchalantly respond, well, that sucks, and then change the subject because talking about feelings is just too real. 
So what's real is the fact that 9% of men experience depression on a daily basis. That's more than 6 million men. Even if we understand what depression feels like, we really admit that it's the culprit. We lie and say we're tired and cranky, despite the fact that more than 3 million men struggle with anxiety daily. Of the 3.5 million people diagnosed as a schizophrenic by the age of 30, more than 90% of those diagnosed are men. An estimated 10 million men in the U.S. will suffer from an eating disorder in their lifetime. We retreat from friends and instead drown sorrows in numbing substances. One out of every five men will develop an alcohol dependency during his life. Male suicide is rising at such an alarming rate that it's been classified as a silent epidemic. It's the seventh leading cause of death for males. That's a staggering statistic. Drill down into the numbers in suicide is the second most common cause of death for every age group of men ages 10 through 39. Our mental health problems are literally killing us and that has to stop. This macho attitude of stuffing your feelings down or ignoring them is antiquated and downright dangerous. It's okay to not have your together. It's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be anxious and it's okay to be scared. It's okay to not have everything figured out. It's okay to feel a wave of uncertainty come crashing over you and not knowing which way is up or when your next gulp of air will come. These are perfectly normal feelings that every man experiences and it's okay to talk about it. What's not okay is suffering in silence. A few courageous men have led the charge, exposing their plights to the rest of us. Singer Zayn Malik openly discussed his struggle with anxiety and his battle with an eating disorder. The Cleveland Cavaliers' Kevin Love penned, uh, penned an open ed entitled uh, Everyone is Going Through Something Chronicling His Panic Attacks. When Dwayne The Rock Johnson recently revealed his battle with depression after his mother attempted suicide when he was a teenager, his words struck a chord with us. It took me a long time to realize it, but the key is to not be afraid to open up, especially as dudes who have a tendency to keep it in. You're not alone, and you're not. This month, we'll be bringing you a number of fantastic pieces and features that'll help to shine light on all the aspects of men's mental health. We'll cover depression and anxiety, how to recognize the symptoms of each and what to do next. We'll dive into the world of postpartum mood disorders for men, an issue that is more common than you think, but that no one ever speaks about. We'll explore bipolar disorder through the lens of Andy Irons, a surfer who fought his illness by self-meditating so much that, uh, I'm sorry, self-medicating so much that it led to his untimely passing. We'll examine the link between gut health and mental health. Are there foods you can eat that are genuinely good for your mental well-being? We'll talk about body dysmorphia, a condition that our former cover star Dan Stain faced, as well as how to deal with that one part of your body that you simply hate and wish you could change. We'll look at the horrible trend of our policing agencies punishing cops for asking for mental health and how good officers have to surreptitiously seek counseling outside of their insurance, paying for therapy and medications out of pocket, lest their badge and gun be removed.
and we'll discuss the science of male anger, why and how physiological and environmental elements can contribute to making men so violent and destructive. Together, our voices can fight the stigma that real men don't talk about the troubles. In doing so, we can usher in a positive conversation to replace the long-standing detrimental silence. Sean Evans, Digital Director of Men's Health. Alright, so I do know that that was an especially short coverage of Men's Health uh, for, for an entire week, but I really couldn't find anything else good. And, you know, it is Mental Health Month after all, so thought I'd kind of leave this as a way to dedicate uh, dedicate one little segment to Mental Health Month. So guys, please do share your uh, experiences, any stories, advice, whatnot you may have related to mental health in the comment section below. It is definitely appreciated by me and other men uh, who do need that type of information. Um, share any thoughts, stories, experiences. Uh, keep the community going. Uh, and guys, that should be it for this week's edition of MGTOW News. Well, that's it for this week's edition of MGTOW News. I hope you guys uh, who are watching this on YouTube, I hope you guys like what you're seeing. And if you do like what you're seeing, please do consider subscribing to the MGTOW Academy YouTube channel. Of course, it's greatly appreciated. And as well, uh, uh, in addition to subscribing, I ask that you share your thoughts in the comments section below. Building a active community here is key. That's kind of the whole point of doing this channel. And for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, please do subscribe to the MGTOW Academy show uh, if you like what you're listening to. And uh, that's what I'd like to get to next. Um, I've been working on getting all my content up across multiple platforms. And part of that is getting MGTOW news to be available as a podcast. So wherever the MGTOW Academy show is available on, you can listen to MGTOW news as a podcast on there. Basically, it's the same thing. It's just the audio version of it. Nothing too fancy. Um... So, you know, Make 10 News uh, can be listened, like I said, uh, on anywhere, on any platform uh, that the Make 10 Academy show is available on. That will be uh, iTunes slash the Apple Podcast app, the Google Play music uh, service. It could be iTunes, um, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, um, Stitcher Radio, and more to come in the future. You know, Player FM, the list goes on and on. Honestly, I forgot. There's this... It's too many at this point. Uh, you can follow MGTOW News on Twitter at all caps MGTOW Academy. And if you want to follow, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, it's 5 a.m. and I'm and I'm I've tried to re. I've done so many retakes for this last part that it's ridiculous. It's um, follow MGTOW News on Twitter at all caps MGTOW News, and you follow MGTOW Academy on Twitter at MGTOW Academy. Um, so if you want to contact me via email, that can be for doing a podcast together. That can be for um, wanting to be on a live stream, having a question. Uh, you can do that by emailing me at uh, maketowacademy.media at gmail.com. So, oh boy, I just got off from a four-hour live stream. It's now, I've, it's also 5, 10 a.m. I'm still working on editing. Oh boy. Um, if you guys want to go ahead and um, uh, get ready for the next edition of Big Tattoos, uh, be sure to check back on the MGTOW Academy YouTube channel on May the 13th, 2018. That's when the next edition comes out. Uh, and as you can see, it's a very dangerous world out there. So until then, I want you guys to keep taking your daily doses of red pills and stay safe. Everybody, this is MGTOW Academy signing off. 
have a good night, and I need to get some sleep.